Okay, Dr. Joel, we're going to start off with a voice note on our DigiLight line from Jane. I have three kids and I'm going through a very bitter divorce. Mm. The proceedings are taking longer than expected. So currently, I'm taking care of my three kids. And more often, the interim payment given by their father is insufficient to cover their living expenses. So many times, I would have to borrow money from friends and family. So this situation that I'm in naturally is taking a toll on my life, both mentally, emotionally and physically. So I'm afraid I might sip into depression. Well, there's a lot going on in their life right now. Yeah, that sounds like it. Jane, I think it's definitely something you... I, I think it's good that you're worried about it because I think you're going through so much that it has a high potential for you to go down that route, la, potentially. La. My initial suggestion would be for you to reach out to friends and family members and get some support through there. Um, it doesn't have to be like constant support, la, but just someone you can talk to, just get things off your chest. I mean, that's not going to change the situation. I mean, the divorce is still going to happen. You still need to take care of three kids and if money's still tight, I get that. But at least you have a vent, la. at least you have an outlet just to get things off mm. your head, clear your mind and just have some clarity. La, right? Okay. If and when you find some time, some space to do so, I think you need to take care of yourself as well. So simple things like simple low-hanging fruit, like you know, working out a little bit, you know, eating as well as you can. And if you can wrangle up the resources, perhaps see someone as well. Because I think going through a divorce, is, it's, it's painful. It's really, really painful, right? And I think as good as speaking to friends and family is initially, mm. at some point, there's going to be a lot of baggage involved. Either, you know, you know how with divorces, people pick sides and stuff like that, right? Speaking to someone that's neutral and objective like a counsellor would be really, really good for you just so that you can shout, scream, cry, whatever it is that you want to do and just be as authentic as possible and just get it out of your system, right? And also with the counsellor's help, you could, can they will help you try and hopefully reframe some of the things that you're going through as well then we'll hopefully became more manageable uh. but ultimately I think Jane right now the, the best thing you can do is just to hang in there right don't 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 give up you know try and uh, reach out to as much help as you can and, and see where we go from there uh. Joel do you think it's helpful to sort of find a positive framed like support group online that mm. you know I mean there's a lot of negative out there which mm. you know they're just bashing yeah. whatever situation illness or whatever but yeah. there are some really good ones that make yeah. you feel like you actually can speak your mind and be honest with people yeah, going yeah. through similar situations yeah like honest authentic support I think if you can find a group like that I think definitely go for it I think there are some available in Malaysia if not mistaken yeah. um, that you can reach out to I, I don't know anything on the top of my head I can't recommend any but there are some really good ones that you can try and see the thing is though I mean in cases like this and I don't know the the numbers right now, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who are getting divorced uh, constantly, mm, right? Mm. From your uh, standpoint, from where you've uh, dealt with uh, all mm. these cases, right? Generally, when the case ends mm. and all the wrangling for custody and everything, does the anxiety and the depression and everything end right there? For some people, yeah. I think if, let's say, the divorce is really the main crux of the problem or the main stressor that they're going through, then once that ends, then it's quite a relief off the shoulders, lah. But oftentimes it doesn't because it's just a part of their life. Like 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 right. Jane said, you know, she's got three kids. Financially, they're a bit tight. You know, right, right, right. Those don't go away. Okay. This is one problem that leaves, but you know, the other issues that she needs to contend with, like, so not all the time. Like. All right. Right, Dr. Joel, we've got a message on our Did You Light line from Amy, who writes in saying, My son is in depression. He's 15 years old. He doesn't eat doesn't leave his room, doesn't shower, doesn't study, etc. I read about depression and try to get help, but he refuses to meet anyone. I'm lost. Please help me. Okay, so that's quite difficult, especially with 15-year-olds. right? I think teenagers, they have a way of thinking and it's normal part of the growing up process. Usually at that stage, something happens called individuation. So they're trying to split away from the parents, find their own person, things like that. right? Mm. What really concerns me is the fact that he's not eating and, and he's isolating himself. Now, hopefully, he's still got contact with friends and family outside, so that means there is some 
some social functioning going on. But if even that's not there, then it's quite a worry, lah, right? Um, in terms of getting him to seek help, um, you know, a couple of things that you have going for you is the fact that he's 15, so he's still a minor. Mm. So you can still mandate it as a, his primary caregiver. Like, right, I see, okay. Right. But do keep in mind that he's 15, right? He's a teenager. You do that, he's going to go in kicking and screaming. Mm. So I, that's not something I would recommend. Only as a like super last case resort, mm. like, you know, um, break glass in emergency kind of situation, then you do that, like, right? I think a better alternative would be to try some way to connect with him, right? It doesn't have to be like, go seek help, go seek help, no. But connect with him somehow. Um, mm. Preferred activity, um, something that he likes to do. Bearing in mind that you're a parent. I think uh, at some stage, all kids go to this stage where my parents are the super, the most uncool people on earth, right? <laughs> yeah. So perhaps you need to find uh, another way in, right? Maybe a favorite uncle or an aunt or something like that and mm. see whether there's a better connection there or not, right? Um, again, we're not lying to him or anything like that, but we're really trying to reach out and help, right? Mm. The other thing you can do is just to tell him that, hey, you know what? People struggle. People go through rough times. Um, don't try and match yourself to him. They they might re- renege against that even more. Mm-hmm. But say you know, people go through rough times. These are some options. You know, I've I've done some research. You know, if you want to, let me know. We can go together, or you can go with yourself, or whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? So I think that's the best way to reach out to him to try and help. Like, don't force it onto him, but mm-hmm. know that it's at the back option, like just in case, like, right? But yeah, try that and see. I had a, a friend once who um, managed to get through to her kid by planting um, material. So, um, what do you mean by planting? Like, so basically, a magazine uh-huh. um, oh. that was about an article, whatever, was casually left open uh, on okay. the breakfast table. Okay. okay. Um, would like Stephen suggesting movies mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. are, have relevant stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a pretty good idea. So at least that we. If let's say for example he's, he's going through a rough time and he can't verbalize it, he doesn't know what's going on. This is actually a really good idea to just give him some cues like that. So that's a really good idea. Doc, we've got a message or a voice note actually from Shan on our Digi Light line for you next. If just say um, someone is overly sensitive, overly um, emotional, even as much as just watching a good movie and it's a sad scene and the person cries, is it something of a worry, or can we just ignore it? Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting question, Shan. Um, I don't think it's something you have to worry about. Again, depends on the situation. Lah, I mean, someone watches a sad mo- movie and they cry. I think that's totally okay. Mm. Um, I'll I'll caveat that by saying I think a lot of times society dictates whether it's right or wrong to cry. Like if you get a guy who's crying over a sad movie, then it's a bit more like hey, shaming, shame kind of thing, right? Mm. Females cry, it's a bit more acceptable. But again, by and large, lah, we're not a very emotionally expressive society. I wouldn't be too worried, Shan. But I think it depends on the magnitude, right? So if let's say It's a sad scene, and they cry for a couple of seconds, a minute or so. After that, fine. If they're crying for an hour after the movie, then perhaps there's something going on, right? Mm. Um, also, the frequency as well. If it's every single sad thing that they're crying over, for example, then perhaps there is something that's bog- b- bothering them, and this is just like little triggers that make them cry more, like in that sense, right? So um, those are the two questions that I would like to an- ask, lah, right? I think that will help you determine how severe or serious we should look into the situation. Just off the bat, from what you're sharing, probably not. I mm. think it's just someone who's quite emotionally sensitive and uh, has it wears a hand on the sleeve, lah, right? right? So I think that should be okay. I think. I always thought hypersensitivity or people who are like you, you could be joking with them, mm-hmm. and every little thing they, for lack of a better word, terasa. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and that can happen as well. But and usually that means that that implies that there's something going on in the background, mm. right? So it doesn't take very much to just tip them over. Right? Yeah, right, compared so to hair trigger, as it yeah. was, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah. So. If you're a friend of that, or you know, related to someone who's like that, mm. I mean, like, what's what's the best thing you could do for someone like that? 
Well, if you know that there's something going on, then you know it might not be a bad idea to take that person out for a, for a drink or a coffee or whatever it is, and just ask, "Hey, what's up? What's going on? I've noticed that there's been a change." I think that's a big um, uh, question to ask as well. Like, is that been a change? If they've been consistently like that since they were kids, then it's probably just their way of. That's just how they are. Yeah, correct. Okay. But if it's something that just suddenly changed, it's a very quite rapid change, right? Then probably there's something going on, and it's probably a good idea to just check in with them and see how they're doing. Doc, I have a message from Anita on our DigiLight line right now um, who says, Hi, I'm Anita regarding mental health issues. I'm having social anxiety for years. I can't meet people or crowd. The hands are shaking. I can't do anything. Please help. Is there any way to solve this without any medication? Um, Good news. So anxiety is something that we do deal with without medication quite a bit. Lah. Um, especially in your case because it's uh, social anxiety so it's not all situations it's just when you're in social engagements and things like that which is great right mm. um, so a few things that you can do is um, I would suggest things that you do beforehand that like you prepare for social situations so one really good way is to pl- uh, you know, the fancy term is called in vivo imagine uh, in vivo planning or in vivo training so you're planning out or re like sort of kind of predicting what kind of scenarios are going to plan out when you're in social engagements and I try and play it like out rehearsing? And something like that right just to sort of get used to it and stuff like that so that you will um, have some like stored up responses that you can use right another good way is to have stored up responses right so make sure that you have like a few like easy topics to talk about like for example the latest mo- uh, movie like Justice League for example and things mm-hmm. like that right so you can just chat about it mm-hmm. with someone so you can fill in the, the uncomfortable spaces lah, right Another thing that you can do beforehand is to learn some rela- good relaxation strategies. So before you get into that social engagement, you can like do some deep breathing or some relaxation, uh, PMR for example, progressive muscle relaxation. Mm. So you're nice and calm, as calm as you can be. La, just mm. before the social in- event, then you'll be much calmer when you're in the event itself. During the session itself, um, there's no good substitute uh, more than um, uh, practice. So getting yourself used to being around people, speaking to people. Mm. So if you want to do that, I'd suggest you start with familiars first. So people that you are quite uh, familiar with, you, you hang out a lot with, like mm. friends and close family, right? Um, and do that first and then you slowly build it up. And then you, whenever you want to go for a social engagement, you bring someone along with you. So you're never alone. Right. And that's another way to just get your, to keep, make sure you have someone by your side. Lah, so that's not so nerve wracking. Right. So yeah. there's a social anxiety because you don't know how to mingle in a way there are different things Someone, some people is because they don't know how to mingle some people is because they fear negative evaluation you know um, that kind of thing some people could be because they are afraid that they will do something silly and then they can't leave the situation and be okay. laughed at things right. like that right? so there are multiple reasons why we, uh, it will happen the things I've suggested is quite a general like umbrella okay. kind of thing that you can try Yeah. right because I have slight social anxiety mm. these days because uh, I don't like to go out into crowds because oh, yeah. of what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that also social anxiety? Yes, but it's situational. So we say, we call it, I mean, because it's been quite a long, so it's probably not. But if it's uh, triggered by something, then we call it an adjustment disorder. But in this case, it's not. So it's probably a little bit social anxiety, but not like full-blown or anything like that. Okay, Doc, next up, we've got Dorothy on the line. I'm a new mom. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm like overwhelmed by motherhood and I really have this question. Is it normal for you, like, sometimes when, before pregnancy, when I see a movie, I can actually control my emotions. Right now, I don't know whether it's breastfeeding or it's just motherhood. I actually get super emotional, even to the mm. slightest point in my, when my husband says something amazing or something simple as, you know, breakfast is nice. <laughs> 
I become like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> oh, listen, you know, <laughs> I have to say, it's your hormones. I had the same thing. In fact, I know so many women who do like cry just at a flower. That's what I did once. Oh, I stood really? in the park and the flower was so beautiful that I started crying. So I'm with you there, sister. But, <laughs> yeah, but is that a, is that a, a concern for you that you need uh, Dr. Joel's? Um, oh, okay. This is my question. I am not sure whether after being pregnant, I realized that I can become depressed very easily, stressed very easily. And I'm not sure whether are we very vulnerable to become depressive or are we able to pick ourselves up and just, you know, uh, move on before I can control myself. But now I like inside that thing that I can be depressive, you know, mm. and hormonal. And I'm not sure whether it's me or it's my hormones, you know. Well, what Asha says is true, right? So hormones does play a very massive role uh, post-pregnancy. La, and I think it's normal for um, a lot of women out there after they give birth to have very volatile, very easily accessed emotions, like mm. both positive and negative, right? Yeah. So I think, um, like what Dottie was saying, you know, it's I think it's very possible that she can get into depressive modes or episodes, like whenever she encounters something that's difficult. Um, and to be fair, la, it's, you're a new mom, right? Having a child, having a baby, it's insane. You know, there's an amount of work involved, the lack of sleep and all that. Mm. And that all contributes towards the volatility or the you know the the, the easiness la, to trigger things like emotion, anxiety, and things like that, right? Now, in terms of a question, you know, can she become depressed because of it? Yes, you can, right? So postpartum depression is definitely real. It's something that can mm. happen, and a lot of women out there have it, la, right? In a lot of cases, after the, the 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 hormones have stabilized a little bit, then that goes away, which is great, right? But for some people out there, it perpetuates, right? right. Especially for those people who feel that you know they're not ready for motherhood or, or they're not ready for the the, the requirements of it, Because like, your life literally changes after mm-hmm. that. Right? In those situations, even after the hormones balance out, it could turn into like a, a norm, normal inverted commas episode of depression, and then you probably will need to see someone to to help you get out of it, like, In that sense, like. mm. But I think one of the biggest uh, concerns or, or difficulties with postpartum depression is the fact that you know a lot of moms feel that that creates a disconnect or a divide between them and the child which is really troubling for a lot yeah. of parents right yeah. and I think that's why it's it's a really good idea to get yourself checked out if you feel that way if you feel that something's off I don't feel super connected just mm. check it out and see right the chances are good that it's hormonal and after that clears up you'll be fine but mm. you just want to be make sure and make sure that, that it's not a long term thing like that sense of and don't don't feel bad about it because I didn't feel connected to my son. Yeah. You know, he was premature. Oh, really? It was a difficult right? um, yeah, yeah. birth and yeah. difficult pregnancy. And, you know, I cared. I did all, everything wrote that I was mm, supposed mm, to do, mm. but I didn't have the same thing that all of my friends had and everything. And I just mm. had to keep telling myself, there is nothing wrong with this because I'm yeah. having this, which means it's natural, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Joel. It's Thanks been a fantastic me. day, as usual with you. Yeah, it's been good fun. Thanks, guys.